All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. At arm's length. To the line, Hughes scores! Here, like I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and Valentine's Day. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, episode 118 this week. Canucks Conversation is presented by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. My name is Chris Faber and joining me on the line as we are practicing our social distancing. He's not wearing a mask right now, but he was 10 minutes ago on his live stream as he was doing a Be A Pro goalie mode for NHL. David Quadrelli, Quads, how's it going bud? What a fantastic intro. Like what a fantastic intro that was! You played with the whole mask thing, yeah. You did you did a great job there, and yes, I was streaming. Uh, it was a lot of fun, man. Like you had all you were hogging all the fun on the stream before, 
But man, streaming NHL, I'm going to be doing that a ton now. I just picked up NHL 21 today. Pretty excited. Pretty excited to get going there. And yeah, I had to be a pro going. I'm uh, I'm playing as a goalie, which is a lot of fun. It's very, very interesting. It's di- very different than being a player. It's very difficult. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how much of the stream you caught, but my first game, I decided to get drafted by the Avalanche. And uh, first game, I let in six goals on... Actually, I don't remember how many shots exactly, but I think I had like a 613 save percentage, so not cool. great. Uh, and then afterward, you do post-game interviews, and the media asked me, uh, you know, like, uh, how are you going to bounce back, blah, blah, blah. And because of past decisions I'd made when talking to the media and just building my character's personality, I made him really cocky. Uh, my only option was to say, to guarantee that I would have a huge bounce back game and be a, one of the three stars in the next game. So, you know, I was coming off a tough performance and it wasn't looking like I would improve much. So I said that I was forced to, and then I came back and had an actually pretty good performance. Uh, again, I think I bumped the save percentage up to 717 on the season there. I think I let in two goals on 11 shots. So I was pretty happy with my performance in game two there. And then I had the option to ask for a trade. But uh, the viewer said not to. So, yeah, definitely go check out the stream. Wow. Yeah, the goaltender, I, I saw enough uh, of the stream to know that um, I knew that I wasn't watching a goaltender clinic. I knew that early on uh, from the stream for sure. But uh, yeah. I see you're, you're doing, like, reviews of every time you get scored on. Yeah, so I'm doing breakdowns. <laughs> I'm doing fundamental breakdowns. We're breaking it down from a fundamental standpoint. Uh, I just hop into the replay and, you know, you got to do video work, right? Like, I'm looking at my angles and I, I, I'm seeing, like, man... Like, there was a couple point shots where I was just not lined up properly and not far out enough. And it's like, you know, you know I like watching goaltenders breaking down goaltending performances. Uh, so I was doing that with my Be A Pro character, which was a lot of fun. And yeah, there were definitely some flaws uh, to the way my Be A Pro was playing in that game. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this won't be the last time we're talking about NHL uh, 21 in this episode we're actually going to be talking a little bit about it in the interview that we have later on in the episode we are joined by Canucks seventh round pick of the 2020 draft Victor Persson uh, he joins us from Sweden uh, as he's getting set to come over to North America here we're just waiting actually to see what Sweden's world junior roster announcement comes out and if Victor Persson makes that uh, but he will join us here he joins us in the middle of the episode for 25 minutes and it was a great chat uh, with him and we do talk a little bit of video games at the end so that was fun and uh, follow up to that. He has said that he'll come play Warzone with us, Quads. I showed you the text messages. Well, we're definitely streaming that. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be a lot of fun. He's we've got more wins than him, so we're actually going to be yeah, carrying him wow. for once instead of us getting carried by people that we play with normally. Yeah, that's that's fun. That's a nice change of pace. But yeah, when Godet plays with us, it's going to be a different story. It's going to yeah. be like us basically holding the flashlight while he fixes the. Uh, fixes the car that's the equivalent of what we're going to bring to the warzone team when we play with adam Gunnett. so yeah absolutely well uh there's a couple things i want to get to before we get into hockey you were just on the broadcast this week quads you joined them uh for a 90s trivia which um as i was listening i didn't know the answer to half of those questions either so don't feel too bad i thought you did an okay job uh answering 90s questions Thank you. At least I knew Gandhi didn't die in the 90s. I don't know what Vanessa was thinking there. She, yeah, she she said, uh, the question was, uh, what two figures died in the same week in the 90s? Uh, the answer was Mother Teresa and Princess Diana. Neither of us knew it off the top of our heads. Uh, but 
Vanessa goes, was it Gandhi? And we all just kind of looked at her on the Zoom call like, what are you talking about? Yeah, she 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 owned up to it though. She said, yeah, definitely not my finest moment. But yeah, that was that was tough. But I was, was I was cause... let down pretty hard. Like they I know they posted a lot of stuff about Lannis Morissette. I'm not even going to rip you for that one. But the fact that you didn't know Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World, that one kind of frustrated me a little bit. I've never watched Boy Meets World. Not one episode. <sighs> it's so crazy. Like, we're, yeah. I guess you watched a lot of different television shows on, on Family Channel compared yeah. to me. Because everybody in my age group should know Mr. Feeney from, from Boy Meets World. And I think they got it wrong with the question as well. I don't think he was a teacher. I think it was the principal of the school. I think they said principal on the, okay. on the episode. All right, well, I wasn't 100% certain of that as well. Uh, We don't have a lot of news to get to uh, in the Canucks world, that is, at least. We do have some prospect stuff to update. Um, But aside from Braden Holtby finally getting his tortoises across the border, I don't know if there's much news for us to get into. No, I put out the five, sorry, the four minor news pieces of the week, and yeah, like, Tanner Pearson is expecting another child. Congrats to the Pearsons. Uh, Dave Nordham, uh, that's that's someone I'd like to talk about a little bit. You know Dave. He's a great guy, listener of the show. Uh, Dave's going to be listening to this episode. So, Dave, keep fighting. But, uh, yeah, I want to talk about him a little bit because the Canucks selected him to be their face of the Hockey Fights Cancer um, little campaign that they're doing. They do that every year, all the NHL teams do. Uh, and, yeah, it was pretty cool because, yeah, like I told you, Chris, like someone from – um, the Canucks for Kids Fund emailed me last week trying to get in contact with Dave. Uh, so yeah, I gave gave them Dave's number, and then I wasn't sure what they had in plan in store, but I was super happy to find that it was that. And so how cool is that for Dave to get a video from Elias Pedersen telling him to continue fighting? You know what I mean? Like that's just that that's awesome. So yeah, I was I was super happy to see that, and yeah, like Dave's Dave's a great guy. Yeah, absolutely. And the you're going to be releasing, I believe, the full interview with, that you did with him. Uh, which is more of a conversation than an interview, actually. Yeah. But you're going to be releasing that on the Patreon. Um, and yeah, Dave's got a huge fight go- like going on right now and still ahead of him. Um, and the fact that the Vancouver Canucks are going to be behind him, I think that's that's a great um, great support system. And I'm glad that the Vancouver Canucks are stepping in to give Dave the support. Because we, you know, we, we couldn't even imagine what he's going through right now. I know yeah. you've had a conversation with him, but I'm sure there's stuff that he didn't talk about in that conversation. Uh, that he's having to deal with. So, yeah, we're we're all supporting Dave. We're trying, you know, to put well wishes and positive vibes out into the universe for him because he's he's going to be a fighter for this, so we're cheering for Dave for sure. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, like you said there, I'm going to be putting the full I – I almost don't want to call it an interview because it was a, yeah. really just a conversation, uh, the full conversation with uh, – with Dave and something in that interview. I'm not sure if I'll leave it in. Maybe I will because I'm talking about it now. But, uh, you know, it was it was heavy subject matter, right? Like, Dave and I were talking and, yeah, like, I, I almost got, like, choked up a little bit when we were talking, right? Because, you know, Dave's story is a very emotional one. Uh, and, yeah, I definitely was, uh, you know, kind of moved by how kind Dave was in the face of all this adversity, right? So, if, if you hear the conversation... Uh, I'll, I might cut it. I'm not sure, but, uh, I, I left my recorder on my, uh, my voice recorder after hanging up with Dave and I opened my bedroom door and I just yelled to my brother. I said, I just interviewed the nicest person alive. And then, uh, he, he didn't respond. He was at the other side of the house. So I walked back and noticed my recorder still on. So that's when I shut it off. But yeah, you'll hear me, uh, walk out of my room, yell down the stairs and say, uh, yeah, I just interviewed the nicest person alive because yeah, like I think that just sums it up, sums up how that interview went and sums up how great of a person Dave is. 
Absolutely. And, and like we said, we're, we're rooting for Dave. Uh, he's got a big fight ahead of him, but he seems like a fighter. So uh, I, I would be in Dave's corner if I was in, in this fight for sure. So we're all cheering for Dave, uh, rooting for him, and, and we hope for the best. But um, we'll we'll move on to some other things as well. I thought uh, this, this episode is basically all about you, Quads. Um, some very nice things were said about you um, during this past VanCast. Uh, they had Catherine Botchford. Um, on the van cast to chat with them as she's moving back to Toronto, or sorry, Ontario. Yeah. Uh, still says she's going to be a Canucks fan, so that's great. But I'm wondering if you can just kind of walk us through um, a little bit more going back to your Botchford night because you were the first one selected to go through that program. Um, you got to experience it, you know, from tip to tail. You got to have dinner, lunch, and and you know, have time with Cat as well. Uh, I wonder if you could just maybe walk us through that night. And now that you've been able, and I heard you get asked about it as well in the broadcast. But is there anything that you haven't really told the people that you maybe want to mention here on the podcast about that night? Yeah, uh, I mean, there was there, there was. I think I might have mentioned on a past episode, but yeah, like what what Drance brought up is what he heard, and it was the tail end of a conversation between Cat and I. Uh, and yeah, she was basically telling me, because, you know, as she said in her letter there, she was like, oh yeah, I see a lot of similarities between you and Jason, which was just, you know, obviously that was like the coolest thing ever to hear. Um, and then, yeah, like she was telling me, she's like, you know, you need to play to your strengths. Like you need to be your own person. You need to be yourself. Uh, like you're similar to Jason, but you can't try to be him. And, you know, obviously, you know, that's true because there's a lot of things that he did that I will likely never do in my media career. But uh, yeah, it was it was really cool to get that advice. And yeah, as I said on the broadcast, like, I never would have thought that the best advice I got on that day, again, no, no, uh, no, no offense to Thomas Drance or Ryan Beach there or anybody else that was there. I never thought that the best advice I'd get on that day would be from Kat, but it was. And those words stuck with me. They continue, uh, continue to as well. And I mean, yeah, it was just, it was super nice to hear. But yeah, one thing I guess I haven't really talked about too much at length is, uh, in the second period, so the seating arrangement was me in Jason's seat, J-Pat to my right, and then to the right of J-Pat was Kat. So Kat and Jeff were having a bit of a conversation uh, throughout the game, right? And throughout the first period, whatever. And again, like, you know, this is my first time in an NHL press box, right? So I'm trying to soak it all in. I'm watching the game. I wasn't doing the post-game report for the Canuck way at the time. I got somebody else to do it. I was literally just soaking it in. And I wasn't doing a game report for my Botchford Project article. So I was literally just soaking it all in, looking around me. You know, the sights and sounds of the media, just everything that goes on up there, how high up you are, uh, the, the view you get of the game, right? And it was it was really interesting to me because after the first period, like, it was not that I lost interest, but J-Pac got up, and I'm not sure if he went to the bathroom or, or what happened, but he <laughs> he ended up going to the bathroom or wherever he went, and Kat just started talking to me. Uh, and she's like, how are you liking the game so far? And we hadn't talked much up to that point other than at dinner. And I was like, it's good, it's good. Like, you know, we, we just made small talk, kind of. And then we started talking a little more. And somehow the conversation turned into what it was like for her uh, when she first found out uh, of Jason's passing. And just understanding the strength that she had. And she, you know, maybe a reason I haven't mentioned up to this point is because I wasn't sure if she, this was something she told me in confidence or something she wanted to say publicly. But she did say it publicly on the VanCast, so now I can say it. But, yeah, she told me she couldn't leave bed for, like, six weeks, dude. And that is, yeah. like, man, that is horrible. And, again, we were just talking about Dave's situation and how you can't imagine what that's like. Man, imagine losing your spouse after 
you know, after you've got three young kids, right? Like that's, that's tough. That is not easy. And yeah, like the, the strength that she showed to go to the Commodore, like you line up the timeline, right? Like she said, couldn't get out of bed for six weeks. And I'm sure that's a bit of an exaggeration when it comes to actually getting out of bed when it comes towards the end of that. But you know, six weeks after his passing or around six weeks, she was up at the Commodore giving that speech, right? Like that was not easy for her to do. Um, you know, she has a fear of public speaking, but man, it was just the strength that she showed and has shown and continues to throughout all of this is just, man, so admirable. And yeah, like, I mean, that's basically all I could give about the Botcher Project night was just like, I, in talking to her throughout the second period, and we hardly even watched the game, if I'm being honest with you, um, in talking to her in that second period there where I moved seats and we were just, I wasn't even in Jason's seat. I was just, there was an empty seat to her right. So I was sitting there just talking to her the whole time. It, the strength of this woman is just unbelievable to me. Like it leaves you like speechless. Like you have no words to describe it. No words can do it justice because yeah, just such a strong individual and man. Yeah. That was, that was really cool to get to know her a bit. Yeah. And if people haven't listened in, they should definitely uh, tune into the van cast. Having cat on was uh, just a great conversation. I think they talked for close to 30 minutes with her and, and how they're going back to Ontario, as I mentioned earlier, with the family. They have more family back then, so um, good good to hear that the family's going to be able to get closer to a lot more family, and it's got to be tough because I think that she talked about how tough it was uh, leaving Vancouver and going back to, to Ontario as well. So, um, yeah, if you haven't checked it out, definitely check out the VanCast's latest episode um, with Kat. It's, it's incredible podcast. Um, so aside from that, I just wanted to quickly mention, because I know that we've heard from some people in the industry as well, the Botchford Project is scheduled to go yep. next year as well. So I know that we have a lot of people that are creating content, whether it be through podcasts or writing, blogging, anything. If you guys are interested in this, you should definitely apply uh, for the 2021 uh, season of the Botchford Project, that is. So make sure to get involved with that. I don't know how they're going to do it um, with COVID going on. Like, a, I, It'd be unfortunate if you're just stuck you know, being there on a Zoom call or something. But I'm, I'm sure they'll try and figure out a way uh, to somehow make it happen. But uh, it's definitely something that everybody should apply for if they're even relatively interested in creating Canucks content, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Just to all those people thinking about it and you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough. Like, I don't know if I if I have it. What's the harm in applying, right? Like, it's not like people are going to go look back at your application and be like, well, this person wasn't a great writer back then, so we're not going to hire them in the future when you've improved. That's not what's going to happen, guys. So just take the chance. You've really got nothing to lose. And, you know, in the case of Faber and I, it worked out, right? And you have to remember, like, not so much for you, Chris, because I guess everybody knew who you were at that point. But, like, when I got selected, I was just starting out. Like, a lot of people still didn't know who I was. I think, you know, I was still at Canuck Way at the time. Uh, I didn't have a ton of Twitter followers. I, you know, I was just starting to make connections in the industry. And that was like two months after my first media day in September there, uh, where I really didn't know anybody. And that's when I introduced myself to Harmon for the first time. And really, I didn't literally, I didn't know anybody. So again, like this is a great way to make connections. Like it's an invaluable experience. And yeah, I would, I would strongly advise everybody listening to this who even is thinking about starting a career in journalism and you're never too old. Remember that, um, to, to really just just take that leap of faith and go do it like you, you can do it and you should yeah and then looking at some of the people that came through this past year it was uh incredible to see and all the stories were so great to read as well so yeah highly yeah. recommend getting in there 
Um, I guess we'll transition a little bit to what is coming up now for the bulk of the episode. We're going to be talking to Victor Pearson, uh, right shot defenseman for the Vancouver Canucks, drafted in the seventh round of the 2020 draft. Um, unfortunately for him, and you'll hear this in the interview, his season um, in the J20 Super Elite League has been cancelled uh, due to COVID. They've had a couple of outbreaks in Sweden over the past few weeks, um, and I think just two weeks ago. This is pretty fresh that we're talking to Victor um, about his season being cancelled, but he was stated to come to the WHL uh, on January 7th, I believe it was, or the the start time is January 8th, as you probably heard last week uh, Dan O'Connor talking about. So he's coming over here to play with the Kamloops Blazers. We even talked about Pearson a little bit in last week's episode but i'm curious to get your take on him because you've seen him play a little bit as well um you've seen the type of player that he is how what kind of fit do you think he's going to be in the whl well i'm excited to get some eyes on him like you know we say we've watched him but again like you've definitely watched more than me but man like i've only seen a few clips i i don't i don't have a great profile on this guy but i think especially for a defenseman watching him in person is going to be really good cuz you know this is something jd burke talked about when i think when he was talking to daniel wagner for the story there is like man you you can't really tell there's some limits when it comes to watching video cuz where is he when the pucks when when he's away from the play right like what's he doing with the puck under pressure i'm sure yeah you can watch that on video but it's really good to get a you know boots on the ground it sounds cliche but really watching him in person i'm excited because i think we're going to be attending like every blazers uh giants game i'm pretty excited so yeah i mean i i can't wait to get eyes on him i'm really excited to see what the canucks could potentially have in this guy again like he's a seventh round pick anything above like being an bottom pairing ahl defenseman is gravy like that's all he's really you know expected to be when you're a seventh round pick so man if he could if he could somehow turn into a bottom pairing nhl defender as a right-handed d-man a tall right-handed d-man with skill man like i'm really i'm just really excited to get a look at this guy yeah, I think there's a lot to like about him. I mean, he's he's got a great stride, gets a lot of power. Uh, and that's the thing that I think he talks about a little bit in the interview is there's certain times where he pinches and maybe stays in the offensive zone too long or stays too deep for too long. Uh, but he gets back on time because, like, his stride, like, once he... I don't know if the first few strides are, are as fast as you would like to see, but they're not, like, choppy. Like, his steps when he takes them, like, his strides generate a lot of power. He's a big guy. He's going to talk about it later on in this interview as well as he, uh, I think he kind of joked about it saying, like, I asked him why he likes to play so physical because he is one of the most physical players in that J20 league over there in Sweden, and that's kind of what I think is going to benefit him as he comes over to the WHL, and it's something that he's aware of. Um, that it's going to be a little bit more of a tougher league. So I think he's ready to throw the body around a little bit. He's a guy that runs the power play unit for their team. He's excellent as a quarterback on there. He's got a great slap shot, good wrist shot. Like he can, he can really do it all offensively. And I think that the only thing that really needs to be rounded out about his game, and which is why I love that he's coming to the WHL, is the fact that you know, when to pinch, when to stay back, and a little bit more on how to play defense a little bit stronger, right? Like, he'll go for the big hits sometimes, and he's pretty good at, you know, using his stick. But there's a couple things that he can probably just sure up coming over to North America and playing on a small rink. So I'm I'm very excited to see him come and play there. And, and like Dan mentioned last week, uh, that Kamloops Blazers team is going to be pretty epic. So I think he's going to fit right in with a good team. And uh, 
I guess we can probably just throw to the interview with him. We're going to have a few more prospect-related news to get to on the other side. But uh, for now, let's just get right to the conversation because, man, I had a ton of fun uh, talking to Victor Parison, who, you know, English really impressed me right off the bat. And, and I'll mention this because, like, sometimes we talk to these guys from overseas um, and we had a little bit of this in the Zoom calls after they were drafted and you don't really get long answers from them, right? They're, they're going to try and – it's their second language. They struggle a little bit with some of the language. But the thing that I loved about um, this interview was sometimes he would give me a short answer, but, like, he knew that he could – he could speak the language and he was confident enough to try and expand on every answer. So uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy this interview now. So we'll get right to it. This is the Canucks 2027th round pick, Victor Parison. And before we go any further, just want to give a quick shout out to one of the sponsors of the Canucks conversation, Mike's Hard Lemonade. And if you guys are looking for a zero sugar, zero carbs, and also 7% vodka drink, look no further than Mike's Harder Zero. They have three different flavors right now, lemon, lime, and cherry, with apparently more flavors just around the corner. Uh, so with zero sugar, zero carbs, natural flavors, and 7% vodka, this crisp vodka soda packs the perfect amount of juicy, tart flavor with with a bit more vodka. So you only got to drink two of these to get drunk quads. That's exciting for you. And before we go any further, just wanted to give a quick shout out to the presenting sponsor of the Connects Conversation podcast, Zephyr Epic, Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. We open a lot of hockey cards from them and you can too. You can use promo code CanucksConvo for $5 off your order. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, so take advantage of that. Again, that is promo code CanucksConvo at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms, on Twitter, Instagram, and join them on Twitch every Thursday for weekly case break giveaways. Chris and I have a lot of fun doing these. You guys should check them out as well. We've been having a lot of luck. We opened a lot of Quinn Hughes cards, and now we're doing the DiPietro diving. You can catch us on Twitter and Instagram opening hockey cards at random times. It's really hard to find out when we're going to do it because we don't really know when we're going to do it. But be on the lookout for that and make sure you go buy yourself some hockey cards, whatever cards you need from Zephyr Epic. Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. All right, guys, joining us now, this is the seventh round pick of the Vancouver Canucks at the 2020 draft. He is just about to start making his way over to the WHL and we're very excited to hear from him for the first time, Victor Persson. Victor, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. You said you guys are just about to get the first snowfall where you're at right now. Yeah, yeah. they say that. They say that. <laughs> That's good. And uh, and it's been windy over there. It's windy over here. So maybe you're going to be moving into the the same kind of weather when you get over here eventually. Yeah, I heard uh, it's kind of similar. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's exciting. Weird. And uh, I want to get started a little bit with where you kind of grew up and what your hometown is like for hockey over there in Sweden, Victor. What's it? What's it like from where you were born? Well, when when I I grew up in a small town called Hedsunda, it's I think it's like two people there. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's not that big. We had uh, outdoor rink that we played on, and it's still outdoor rink. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't have many teams, or we had a senior team and like three junior teams, so that's it. Hmm. And so, what was that like for you, kind of growing up? Was there many other people that were well-known hockey players from your hometown? Well, actually, my neighbor has played for the Canucks. Oh, uh, I think it was like one game, but he played for them. So, wow, who was your neighbor? 
uh, Joakim Eriksson is his name. He's a goalie. Okay. We'll have to look him up yeah. and see about the connection. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So was hockey really big in your hometown? Yeah, it was probably that. And soccer was mm-hmm. the biggest sports. Awesome. Did you end up playing both sports growing up? Were you soccer as well as yeah. hockey? Yeah, I played both. I think I played soccer until I was 14. Okay. I think, yeah. As a pretty big guy, were you a striker or a goalie? A uh, striker. <laughs> okay. What was your? What was the way you scored all your soccer goals? Yeah, it was probably like, it's like tap-ins, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. So, aside, that's yeah. cool because I learned that, you know, a lot of Swedish hockey players, they end up playing soccer in the summertime. Is that just something that it's like in Sweden, like hockey in the winter and soccer in the summer? Yeah, I mean... We we play ball soccer in the summers. Just uh, get the get the few guys and just play match. It's really it's big in Sweden. Oh wow, that's it's interesting because I see even in hockey in Sweden, it seems like all all you Swedish players are so good with your feet. So maybe it comes from the soccer. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm curious to get a little bit more into your career as well. You've been with uh, Brinus since you were pretty young. I mean, 15, 14 years old. Uh, what's it yeah. been like to be with? I find it so cool that you guys over in Sweden, you guys stick with the same team kind of as you're growing up. So what's it been like for you with that organization? You've been with them for a long time. Yeah, I I joined Brinus when I was about to start to play under 14 hockey. Hmm. Uh, so... Yeah, you just see the older guys and just want to be like them. I mean, it just is not just the senior team that you look to. It's the older guys mm-hmm. and try to uh, look at what they do and try to do it myself. That's cool. Isn't and uh, yeah, when I came to Brunus, it was, I mean, it was pretty stacked team. Yeah. We, uh, we had like yeah, Söderström was playing in Arizona, Odom Bokvist uh, in Chicago, yep. and uh, Rasmus Sandin also. So, <laughs> wow! So that's uh, that's a lot of good guys to look up to. I yeah. I see a lot yeah. of similarities. Uh, you play a very similar game to Söderström. He's a guy that I was a huge fan of in the draft the other year. Did you get to play at all with him or play around him? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, one season. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it was pretty. It was nice to look at him, see what he does, yeah. and try yeah. to learn something from him. Well, I'm wondering Which if you I, learned um, anything about the power play, Victor, because that's where I seem to see that you do your best work. Do you just love being the power play quarterback guy? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I love having the puck and uh, just try to do, try to score, try to find open passes, and just. Love having the puck. Yeah, we were starting to see that um, as your season, unfortunately, just got canceled now. But uh, the yeah. way that you were playing at the end there, it seemed like you were turning into quite a hot streak. You had a lot of games with uh, a long point streak going there. Yeah, yeah, it was. It went pretty good. I mean, the points started coming in, so it was pretty fun. Absolutely. And I think your last goal there, that was quite the highlight goal that you scored as your last one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was nice to get it in. I was pretty angry in this situation, so it was nice. <laughs> no doubt, a little bit of a lang- little, little bit of anger out on the ice is always good. Yeah, yeah, 
It's always nice to. That's good. I I was wondering, Victor, you've grown. I mean, quite a bit. I look in this league. You're one of the bigger guys in the league that you're playing in. When did you really grow the most? Were you pretty young, or did it just happen? Yeah, I think I grow like uh, eight centimeters summer. Mm-hmm. It was uh, when I was fifteen, turning sixteen. Okay. Then I grew. I grew a lot. Before I was. I think I was like 170 centimeters. Yeah. And then just blew up for one summer. <laughs> wow, that's got to be exciting. Was it was it tough to adjust? Because I know if, if you get so much taller, your legs are longer, it makes it a little bit harder to, to play hockey the same way. Did it take a little bit for you to adjust to the new height? Actually, no. Okay. I mean, uh, as I grew, I kind of lost some weight mm-hmm. and... I felt that when I when I got on the ice, wow. like I felt uh, quicker and uh, yeah, more endurance. Absolutely. Well, that's good to hear. And uh, I wanted to ask more yeah. about the team that you're playing on now. And unfortunately, you guys are canceled. But what was it like yeah. for you to um, to play in this J20 league? It's it's a league where you see a lot of skill uh, and maybe not as much physical stuff. But I've seen you throw around quite a few hits in that league. <laughs> yeah, no, the league is. I mean, the league is great. I think. Uh, just, I think it's my third season in the league, so I, I've been there, and it's at high level. I mean, the players are skilled, and the fun thing we face teams that some guys loves to hit, and some guys don't hit. I mean, it's a big. Uh, it's great uh, yeah. to, meet, to meet different teams that play different. I think that's for development. Yeah, most definitely. And we get to see that from you. I mean, you obviously bring a lot of offense, but it seems like you're you're one of the more physical guys. Is hitting something that you love to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I see it as a good way to get out the anger sometimes. Mm-hmm. You mean when I... And also, I mean, I'm pretty big, so... <laughs> I, I think I need to use my body yeah. when I have a chance to. Most definitely, and and that's that's a lot of fun because it gets the team uh, gets the team really fired up and lots of momentum yeah. uh, when you do a big hit like that. And I've seen it uh, on some of the big goals that you've scored, Victor. You got some pretty big celebrations on those goals. <laughs> yeah, I usually yeah, I don't. I just do something. I don't think about it. Just really happy. Yeah, you just lose your mind for a couple seconds and do a big, uh, big fist bump or a big celebrate to the ceiling. It seems like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As I said, I don't put much effort in, in, into them. Yeah, but it's fun. Yeah. And- and it's, it's tough, I think, for you guys, because especially the season that you were having uh, in the J20 League over there, um, it, you guys were starting to look like one of the best teams in the league the last couple of games. Yeah, yeah, we had the beginning of the season was it was tough. We we were starting to learn a new kind of way, but I think and we started putting together and we looked good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It was starting to look like some pretty exciting hockey, and you guys uh, yeah. you guys score a ton of goals too, Victor. That must be a fun fun group of guys to be on a team that has so much offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we try to have offensive, try to mo- play the most offensive. Then I think that's that's the way I want to play mm-hmm. offensive hockey. 
Absolutely, and that's uh, what you do best, it seems like. But I'd like to, I'd like to take it back a little bit here because as I'm looking at your stats um, in the 2018-19 season, when you were in the J18 All Svenskin playoffs, you had 27 penalty minutes uh, in three games. Can you explain what happened there, Victor? I'm curious about that. Uh, wow. Oh. Yeah, I think was I got a what do you call it? Mis- no, a game penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think um, one of my teammates got really hit from the opposing team, yeah. and I just I felt like I had to do something, and I just jumped that guy. I think I remember that. I think I saw that fight on YouTube, actually. <laughs> yeah. I think I you mean, won that yeah. one, right? <laughs> Yeah, gotta do it. <laughs> That's good stuff. And, and I think that there's going to be um, a little bit different hockey because you're playing in the J20 Swedish League, uh, but you're planning on coming over to the Kamloops Blazers of the WHL. Um, are you ready to kind of switch leagues, and do you think it's going to be a different kind of hockey that you're going to have to play over here? Yeah, I, I've heard it's a lot more physical over there. And uh, the smaller rinks, I never played in the smaller rink. That's something I have to adjust and try to do my best at. Yeah, most definitely. It, it's a it's a great league to be in, and Vancouver Canucks fans are excited because you're only going to be a couple hours away from Vancouver and people can go watch you play, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I heard it was like three hours away or four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You'll be, you'll be coming into Vancouver to play against the, uh, the team from Vancouver, so that'll be fun. We'll have to see you out there. Yeah. Uh, what, what are you most excited for about coming to the WHL? Are you excited to just get to North America and play some hockey here? Yeah, I'm just, well, probably the most thing I'm excited about is to challenge myself, I think, uh, to try, to try the hockey style over there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's different, I heard, so... Mm-hmm. That's that's exciting, and and I know that um, the Kamloops Blazers are very excited to get you over there. Have you talked much with the coach or the general manager or anyone? Yeah, the coach. I've talked a lot to the coaches. I mean, probably once a week. Oh wow! And just checking in, uh, and yeah. Well, that's exciting, and I know that um, they're going to have a strong team this year from everybody that I've talked to here in the WHL. So how does it feel uh, joining one of the powerhouse teams in the league and not going to a crappy team? <laughs> well, great, of course. <laughs> I mean, I want to win, so it's great that they have a, have a great team. That's good. And have you talked to anybody that's done something sort of like this, like a, a player going from Sweden to the WHL? Do you know anybody that's done that? Uh, no. No, no one. <laughs> so you get to be the one to tell people after. So that's that's exciting. You're the yeah. one to try it. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. That's cool. And and I mean, aside from that, and in your time in the WHL, you're going to get here in January. But I guess now that your season's canceled, are you going to try and get over here sooner than that? Well, I don't. I don't know. I think I'm. I'm, I'm aiming for flying over in December mm-hmm. of Christmas sometime but uh, I don't know I haven't talked much actually about it when I'm flying over mm-hmm. it's something I have to talk when it's it's time 
Yeah, most definitely. I guess it'll be pretty soon here. And uh, to stay in Vancouver, um, when you got drafted by the Vancouver Canucks, obviously the Vancouver Canucks have had a, a good history of Swedish players here, like Marcus Naslin and the Sedin brothers and now Elias Pettersson and Alex Edler. What did it mean for you when you heard that it was Vancouver that drafted you? Well, it was when I grew up, I watched, I watched the Sedins mm-hmm. and, uh, I mean looked at the games and then now Leas Pettersson mm-hmm. uh, and I mean it's a great organization I only heard great things about it and just to be a part of it this feels amazing yeah we always joke about it that sometimes the Vancouver Canucks it seems like half of them are Swedish <laughs> yeah yeah no I mean they they have uh, some great Swedish play playing for them what do you remember about watching the Sedin brothers well, my strongest memory is probably when they were in uh, in the World Cup mm-hmm. uh, and um, seeing them on the power play when they started like, passing to each other, yeah. and then all all of a sudden they just found the someone else had the open net. Like <laughs> they were amazing. Yeah, exactly. It almost makes you wish that you had a twin brother to play hockey with, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They make it look so easy, so... Yeah, and what about now you get to see Elias Pettersson? I mean, it's so young. Is he uh, Is he a pretty big superstar over there in Sweden? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at uh, what he does. I mean, his rookie season was spectacular, and he's, he just carried on. Mm-hmm. That's cool to hear. And, and I know that um, you mentioned earlier a guy that you got to be able to watch, you know, Boakvist and Soderstrom that came through. Is there a player that you kind of like from the NHL, the way that they play the game, that you kind of think you're in a similar way? Uh, whoa. Uh, hard question. <laughs> I And, you know, as I grew up, I watched... Eric Carlson, mm-hmm. Young Klingberg, and I think uh, the way Young Klingberg plays, I, I, I don't think I'm similar, but I like the way he plays. Mm-hmm. I like how he's how he's puck and just yeah. I think it's it's cool to watch you play because I think you do something in a similar way where. Uh, you know, you're at your best when you have the puck, whether you're shooting it or making passes. It seems like something that needs to happen in your game is you need to have the puck a lot, right, Victor? Yeah, yeah. I always want the puck. <laughs> and I mean, and I, I try to work on not having the puck. I mean, in the D zone, I, I think I've taken some steps there. Also. But I mean, I've got a lot of work to do in the D zone. Mm-hmm. But I love having the puck. It seems like the the WHL will be good for that because I, from what I've seen from watching the WHL and watching your your Swedish J twenty league, um, this one looks like the WHL might be a little bit more physical, and I think that's something that that you do really well over in your Swedish league. Like I said earlier, you're one of the more physical guys. Yeah. Uh, are you ready to kind of bring a little bit of that Swedish physicality to the WHL as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I wanna I wanna play physical. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I want that to be a part of my game. So, of course, I'm ready. With um, with what you do on the power play, though, I like your... You obviously get a slap shot off. I think that's one of your best parts of your game. Um, but is there something that you like to work on with shooting? Because I think as a 
as a defenseman, when you're working on your shooting, it's a lot different than a forward, right? Because you're shooting from different parts on the ice. So I'm wondering, how do you work on your shot, Victor? Well, I'm just trying to get a quicker shot and also try different angles. Mm-hmm. Like uh, all over the blue line. I mean, just trying to... I mean, it doesn't always have to be a hard shot just to get it on net. I think it's the most important. Then everything can happen. And it seems like sometimes when you guys have two defensemen on the ice, uh, you like to get in pretty deep and almost play like a forward when you get that shot off from different <laughs> angles. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I go a little too much <laughs> forward. But, I mean, I, I got to work on that too, but it's fun. No, I, it's good because you skate back really hard when you got to get back on defense. I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. And I guess coming up now, uh, it's unfortunate. I know that you you were supposed to compete with um, Sweden's Junior 20 team uh, for the World Championship. Yeah. You guys had a tournament coming up uh, that ended up getting canceled. But what's, what's that looking like for you now potentially making the team? Um, are you still invited to camp? Is there much going on with you guys for the J20 team? Uh, they have, uh, they're taking out uh, the rooster, uh, I think, December 3rd. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think they have a big rooster. Okay. Then they cut it down uh, and fly over. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. I have done, I mean, there's not, there's no game I can show someone. So I think I've done what I can what I can so it's up to them now right to decide if they want or not and what is what would it mean for you to play for that team that's a huge honor if you get to play on that team yeah yeah it was it will be amazing Mm -hmm. I mean you always watched the uh, the tournament and I mean it would just be amazing the thing that I take in with my whole life Absolutely, and and the tournament's in Edmonton, so you would uh, just be able to drive over to Kamloops right after. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be kind of kind of nice. It might make the travel easy on you a little bit, just leaving there, and everybody yeah. else help, goes back home, and you just drive over a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be really nice. That's exciting, and I, I guess, like you said, it's it's tough because yeah, you're not going to be able to play hockey for the next little bit here to prove yourself. But I think, like you said, I think you've done enough. What you did at the end of the year there with that big point streak and scoring goals, I, I feel like I feel like there's definitely a spot for you on that Sweden team. Yeah, I hope so, but um, it's not up to me. Like I said, yeah. it's up to them now. I hope I improve. Uh, I don't know. I hope I uh, show them. But I end up doing it now. Yeah, most definitely. I guess one of the things I wanted to kind of close out with was um, now that you're going to be able to come over to the WHL and play with the Blazers, um, is it something that you want to do for the next two years or is it just going to be one year and then back to Sweden, do you think? Well, to be honest, I haven't thought of it Mm -hmm. that much. I mean, that's something we'll have to discuss after first year. Yeah. I mean... Gotta when I have a feel for it, but I, it's not uh, impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean it. It can happen. And then I stay there two years. If right. it works, great for me. I hope I get to stay. 
Yeah, I hope that you score a bunch of goals, and it's great. I'm hoping, uh, do you think I can ask you some non-hockey questions just so people can get to know you a little bit? Yeah. Okay, yeah. sounds good. I'm. People always wonder uh, about you young guys because we, we play a lot of video games. I'm wondering, do you play many video games? And if so, which one's your favorite right now? Well, right now, it's actually FIFA 21. Mm-hmm. Um, and also NHL 21. Okay. I play a lot. What about um, any Call of Duty or any shooting games? Yeah, I, I play... Uh, sometimes you play Call of Duty, Warzone. Okay. How, how many wins but, do you have? What do you say? How many wins do you have in Warzone? <laughs> well, not many. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that great. Okay. Maybe five or six. Okay, hey, that's not bad. Nah, no. It's usually when my team is carrying me, but it's a win. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. Uh, I, I might say yeah. the same the way that I play. Um, with FIFA, who's your who's your team that you like to play with? Uh, Liverpool. Oh, Liverpool, okay. Yeah, yeah, I like them. They have a, a great team, okay, so it's gonna, easy to win them. <laughs> you're going to make some people happy and some people mad at you with that answer. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, aside from that, I'm curious. What's your favorite? Um, let's go with favorite dinner meal. What's your favorite one? Well, uh, I don't know. I love the spaghetti carbonara. Mm-hmm. I love that when my dad's make it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's my favorite meal, and I can't say no to a hamburger or pizza too. <laughs> I mean, that's that always works. Most definitely. Let's go with breakfast food. What's your favorite breakfast? Uh well, uh, banana pancakes. Oh, that's I think a good one. It's just yeah, that's a great breakfast. Okay, with yeah, some, I definitely uh, With some honey and berries, mm, I think it's. Stuff. That's really good. Yeah. What about um? What about candy? Your favorite candy? Ooh, whoa! I'm not the. I'm not the candy guy, to be honest. Okay. I love the popcorn. Popcorn? Uh, but candy. Oh. We have uh, the. What do you call it? It's like a pseudo pop in candy in okay. Sweden. It's uh, pink and blue. Yeah, yeah. It's, I know it. Uh, yeah, do you know it? Yeah, it's like a, a little gummy, almost like a marshmallow gummy. Yeah, yeah. With yeah. some, I think it's sugar or on it. I think that's my favorite. Okay, yeah, I think we call them soda bottles here, little soda bottle gummies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are good ones. I'm with you, and I like the I like the white and pink ones better than the brown and clear ones. Oh, we don't have them here. I okay. think those ones are more like a Coca Cola flavored one. Oh, so, gotcha. I like the other one a little bit better too. So, uh, aside from that, have you ever been to North America yet, Victor? Or has it just been Sweden for you? No, I've never been to North America. It's something I always wanted, but not not been able to go over. Well, that's, yeah, it's going to be fun, and I think a lot of people are are excited when you come over here because it's it's a similar weather, like we talked about uh, before the interview. So you're going to be kind of coming from the same weather over here, so you won't have to get used to something different. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's nice. And I think that uh, the other good similarity is we're, as Canadians, we're a little crazy about hockey, and I think Swedish folk are the same, right? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard Canadians are a little bit crazier. <laughs> You're probably right then. Probably in general as well. Um, yeah. And then aside from that, when you come over here, it's going to be cool to uh, to get to see you play, obviously, in the WHL. Uh, and and yeah. we're excited to get you over here just because you're a couple hours away from Vancouver. So, uh, Victor, I wanted to say congratulations on being drafted by the Vancouver Canucks. And we're really rooting for that U-20 team. We hope that you get a chance to play at the yeah. World Championships yeah. this year. Hopefully. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for your time, Victor, and we'll chat soon. Best yeah. of luck in the future, man. Yeah. Thanks. And thank you very much to Victor Persson, the seventh round pick of the Vancouver Canucks at this most recent draft. Really great conversation. Um, and we're very, very excited for him to get here to BC. Like you mentioned earlier before the interview quads, just to be able to get some eyes on him, you know, with us in a rink, which is something that we would have, you know, really struggled with uh, at all to really get into games and see them. But I think with what's going on with the WHL, hopefully they're going to be able to have some media and scouts back in the rink because I'm not sure about attendance right now, especially with the COVID numbers. Everything is seriously still up in the air. Like I think right now, I don't even think I was talking to Brian Weeb who uh, runs the BCHL network today. Um, and we were kind of just going back and forth and he was saying like, you know, right now teams from Prince George can't come to play Vancouver and teams from Kelowna can't come play Vancouver like right now everybody has to stay in their area right so um, we may have to wait uh, for people to start wearing their masks more and uh, actually start social distancing so we can get some damn hockey in the arena but <laughs> aside from that um, I just want to say like thanks a ton for Victor for joining us there we'll, we'll see what happens in the future here uh, if we get that war zone game going and um, off air as well I, I don't know why I didn't ask him this I just asked him like what, were, what he was keeping busy with off air and, and I was like well what's your uh, what's your go-to show and I think he said he's watched Prison Break like three times from start to finish. Huh. And I was like, that is, I was like, you know, like a lot of people are always like, like I was expecting The Office or, you know, yeah. Parks and Rec maybe or one of these big name shows that everyone likes to binge watch. I didn't expect anybody to watch Prison Break three times in a row. So I'm going to out that about him. Uh, but he did tell me right after the interview off air because we were kind of just chatting a little bit. That's hilarious. I've actually, I've watched like a few episodes of Prison Break, but my brother really liked that show. I so I think the way that Prison Break was like the first couple seasons were really good. I thought I watched the first couple seasons and it kind of tailed off in the third one because he's in like I don't know some South American prison after that or something and it's and it was just a little bit. It was like okay, we get it. He's breaking out of prison. He does it every episode or every season. <laughs> so like I I don't know. And then apparently it like comes back later. Uh, like set years apart in the later seasons is what my girlfriend told me so i yeah i don't know uh maybe we'll have to watch it or something but i think that warzone in the future will be a lot of fun with victor um and yeah great dude as you can tell in the interview we had a lot of laughs uh, as we went through it and i'm excited to get him over here to north america and see what happens because that's something that he talked about i think i asked him like is is going back to Sweden the plan after one year? And, you know, it wasn't really the plan. He said he's going to see how it goes after one year in the WHL. He wasn't really sure. But, you know, he goes and plays two years in the AHL, or sorry, in the WHL, then he can move right on to the AHL after that. And I think that should be a nice little landing spot. If he's able to continue that progression and, and really be a seventh-round steal for the Canucks, you know, two years from now he's on the Utica Comets if he stays in North America. So we'll see what happens with him. And he's been able to learn from some guys like Victor Soderstrom, who I'm a huge fan of, uh, and some other great defensemen before him. And, and he likes John Klingberg a lot. So uh, mm -hmm. great conversation with him. And, uh, you know, I always love talking about good Swedish defensemen. And something that you always love talking about is goaltenders if they're good or if they're bad and i know you've been watching a lot of good old mikey di pietro even though he doesn't like you because you like domino's pizza <laughs> but you've been watching him a lot lately quads have i told you the story about me walking in on michael di pietro stretching on the first day of training camp 
I think you've told me, but tell it on the pod again. Okay, so first media day. Yeah, it wasn't training camp. Sorry, it was before training camp, this media day that I was talking about. I don't know anybody. I don't have contacts. I don't know where the media room is. I walk in through the entrance. I have to walk on the concourse, go up a couple elevators, confuse the crap out of me. I get to the front desk. Uh, and there's some some girl working there, and I said, "Hey, can you tell me where the media room is? It's actually my first day." She goes, "Yeah, go down this hallway, and then once you open the door, you have to go down the hallway." So I was like, "Oh, okay, perfect." So I open the door, and it's on the concourse. It's at the ice level, like under the seats concourse. So there's two hallways. So I don't know which way I'm going. So I'm like, okay, well, it's a circle. So I'll start going this way. So I start going one way. I get to some loading bay. I'm like, this can't be it. So I turn around, go the other way. And then she's like, yeah, it's a door on your left. I'm like, okay, fine. So I'm walking, I'm walking and I'm walking for a bit. And then I see this door on my left. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is it. So I like walk in and it's open. So I was like, oh, it's open. So I go in and I don't know who the other prospect was, but Michael DiPietro and this guy are just stretching and like talking. And then like I walk in and they just kind of look at me and I immediately turn around. I don't say anything. I just (laughs) book it. I'm gone. I'm like, shit, I don't know these guys. Like, I don't want to, you know, they're, they're stretching. It's like, you know, they're, they're, they're getting ready to play. I don't want to walk in on these guys and just, you know, I'm obviously not supposed to be in there. So I turn around, I'm out. I start continuing down the concourse and eventually find the media room and walk in and I'm like the second one there. I don't know anybody who's there. So I immediately just plop my stuff down, pull out my computer and start like working on an article that I had going for a while. It, oh, it was just, that day was a mess. I think I've told that story enough times, but yeah, I've never told about the Michael DiPietro part of it. But anyway, um, I do want to add that, yes, this past week I watched a lot of him. And oh my gosh, like I didn't, I didn't understand like completely, if I'm being honest with you, all the hype around him, because you know, he's a, he's an undersized goaltender. He's like, he's listed at like 5'11". I think he's like, he, he looks like he's like six feet, um, or six one, whatever, what have you. But uh, yeah, he's an undersized goaltender and he went in like the second round. So I'm like, okay, this guy's positioning and his like, you know, everything other than his size needs to be like elite because if he had the skills he has as a goaltender right now but he was like six foot four guarantee he's a first round pick like guarantee it like top 10 okay because this guy's positional awareness is unbelievable chris like i don't know if you've ever even if you've played road hockey goalie okay or any form of goaltending and People at home will know what I mean if they've ever, like, stood in a net, okay? When you're following the play and you come out, say say the puck's being cycled away from you. Uh, it's it's out at the out at the top of the top, like, top of the zone in the blue line, okay? And they're moving back and forth. And you're far out to challenge in the event of an actual shot. You're far out. You're moving side to side. It is extremely easy to lose your positioning in the crease and lose where your net is, right? So if you back up, oh, I got to readjust because I'm too far to the left or I'm too far to the right. And you almost have to like shoulder check or feel for your post to try and figure out which direction you need to be moving in. Uh, But man, with DiPietro, it's like he just has this muscle memory every part of that crease. Even and he comes out far. He comes out far beyond the crease, okay? He is still able to just, like, nothing, find where he is, never, never, 
ever looks lost in there. And it's just, it's unbelievable to me. Like, I, I can't remember the last time I saw, a, especially a young goaltender, with that much crease awareness. Like, it's unbelievable to me. And it's noticeable on literally every clip you watch of him. Every time you watch the puck being cycled at the at the blue line, he's he's fine like he's he's so good um at the at crease awareness and it just it, it kind of blew me away if I'm being honest with you because you know that's something that he's gonna have to fix uh and when I say something I mean coming out too far he's gonna have to fix that I think to be in the NHL you know he tore it up in the AHL all the credit to him like it was you know it's not easy to do what he did he's gonna be the starter in Utica he's ahead of ahead of schedule for sure um, you know, my personal opinion is that he's gonna have to clean it up a little bit because sometimes, and I think you can probably attest to this too, Chris, having watched him a lot, you know, he can come out a little too far when it's really not necessary. Like, it's great that he comes out far, he makes himself look bigger, cuts down the angle, but sometimes he does it when it's not really necessary, and maybe you can get away with it at the AHL level, but man, at the NHL level, guys are just gonna hit you with so many backdoor tap-ins, uh, so... We'll, we'll see how it progresses, but I think if there's one thing I had to say about DiPietro's game that he needs to clean up, it's that. And, yeah, like, I don't know. And you, you, you can kind of attest to this as well, I think, but his stance is really, really strange. Like, he, he, he has his feet close together, which is good. We've talked about this ad nauseum, that it's a good thing to have your legs, your feet close together. But he, he hunches over a lot. And he, yeah, you know what it looks like? It looks like a like almost like a pitcher when they're getting their signs. Like he's like oh, really yeah, leaned, like analogy. his back is that kind of way, like the way that he's leaning towards the guy. It's almost like he, it's almost like uh, like this was a drill that I can remember doing for like workouts where you had to like keep your back directly flat when you're in like in a squat, and like people would put they put like a water bottle on your back and you had to stay balanced. Like it, it's almost like leaning over that much, yeah. which was kind of strange. Yeah, like you know what I, I compared it to in the article is it's almost like a stand up old school style, you know, where like they didn't have any protection on their like stomachs, so they would use the leg pads to protect their stomachs. They would just bend over like that. I, it almost reminds me of that, like an old school style. Of course, it's not like DiPietro's lateral movement is like more than any old school goaltender ever had. Uh, yeah, that's another thing is like his lateral movement is literally insane. Uh, he gets so yeah. much power from his pushes. I, uh, unbelievable I, I can't say enough good things about this kid uh you know another small and this is just me nitpicking another really small thing is his post play like i i think it could be a little bit better like just a little bit like he takes a while to get completely sealed to his post but again like that's another thing that ian clark really worked with demko and markstrom on so i i can't wait for ian clark to get his hands on mikey because man like he is a talented kid. He is very, very talented. And yeah, I think the only thing that is going to need to change, like his stance good, maybe maybe straighten the back a little bit more. But again, like he's a smaller guy. So with Markstrom, like when there was traffic in front of him, he would straighten his back because he could see over everybody. And that was kind of what he did. Like he would, he no longer was down low looking through traffic. He was up high. That was something Clark changed in Markstrom. But with Mikey, a smaller goaltender, you know, he's probably not going to be able to get away with that. So maybe that's also partly why he keeps his back so low. Uh, It'd be really fun to have him on the podcast, kind of talk to him a bit, pick his brain on his stance and kind of where it came from. Because it's not a stance you see regularly uh, at the professional level. It's really not. But he he performed well and all the credit to him. I think the only thing he's going to have to improve on is coming out too much. Maybe he's a little too aggressive. But man, like this is a talented goaltender. 
Yeah, Mikey DiPietro, I'll say this for the record, he is the hardest prospect to get on a podcast. Like, I, like I've like i been trying for so long uh, to get Mikey DiPietro on it. Like, I even got a chance to interview him um, when I went on Utica Radio. They had him in studio with them, and they're like, oh, like, like, why don't you just act like you can interview Mikey? And, like, that's when I got to talk to him. Uh, I interviewed him back when he was with Windsor, I think, like, right when they drafted him. Um, that was a long time ago on a different podcast, but yeah, he's, he's great to chat with. And, I, and there's a lot of stuff that I agree with what you said. And the thing that, the thing that I noticed, and it's something that we saw a lot from Thatcher Demko in, in the playoffs and his outstanding run of games that he had, but it was almost like Demko was very calm when he had to make a save that was, you know, a highlight real save of him diving across or moving across the zone. And it just seems like Mikey DiPietro, you know, he has that calmness when he is making a big save. And I think that, he found it a couple times last year where he really got into a groove and he really got into the zone. But the only thing that I didn't like from him last season in the 36 games that he played with Utica was there there was a lot of bad goals. Like, there was a lot of games where he looked outstanding, but then, you know, one would squeak by, then another one would squeak by, and it's just, he's young. Like, if we think about it, he was 20 years old last season, and he became yep. an AHL starter. He Like yep. he said earlier, he is very ahead of schedule. There's a lot to like about this kid. He's extremely athletic. And and everyone says undersized. He's not that small. Like he is small, no. but he's not a six foot five goalie. He's definitely not six five. But like he is a he's a decent sized goalie. He's not teeny tiny. Um, like that McDonald's commercial of the mini goalie. But like <laughs> he's he's a good sized goaltender. I think that you know after what he did in his first year in Utica, like there was one game against Laval um, where he was out. Like he was unreal. I think he saved like I think it was like forty three shots against. Um, and I think they won like five two or four two or something. Yeah. But there was. 43 shots or 44 shots against and he stopped like 40 plus saves and he was just unreal that game there's so many highlights of him um and it makes it good for me it makes it worthwhile for me to watch these Utica Comets games because you normally you're, you're clipping stuff for Cole Lind or Brogan Rafferty or Nikolai Goldobin uh but when you have Mikey DiPietro back there like he's making a highlight save every single game that he's in and he's yeah. making it look easy and I think that's the best thing about it is he's able to stay calm in those moments where you know where there's frantic going on around in front and sticks everywhere and pucks everywhere. And that's what you saw with Demko, right? In the playoffs when Demko was on that yeah. hot streak, like p- loose pucks would be, you know, two, three feet out of the crease and Demko is still in the perfect position for it. Yeah. You see that with Mikey DiPietro. He's not flopping around or, or yeah. guessing where the puck's going to go. He's like good enough to be able to quickly react to when a, when a blade actually hits that puck near the net and he can able to get in front of it. So, yeah, I mean, like like I said, he turned he turned 21 uh, just a few months ago. So, like, he is yeah. very young. He'll be 21 for this next AHL season. He'll be the starter. And, honestly, I think that, you know, some people were saying that maybe he'd be good this year to come in. It's not the right time. He needs another year in the AHL. Yeah. But after that, like, if Holtby does get picked up in the Seattle expansion draft, it makes a lot of sense for Mikey DiPietro to step in after that and get a chance as the backup. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm of the opinion that I think they're going to need to go sign a veteran goaltender, whether that's a guy who can play in Utica as the starter or, you know, back up Archer Silovs or back up Thatcher Demko, right? Like you need to get a guy almost like a Louis Domingue type, right? That could come in if DiPietro is ready to be a backup, but 
I, I don't know. Like, I'd like to see another full season from him in Utica. I think we're going to. Uh, two seasons, two more seasons in Utica. Say Braden Holtby doesn't get selected in the expansion draft. I don't think that would cause him any harm. Remember, Thatcher Demko was in Utica until he was 24, right? Or 23, I think he was, um, before he got his full chance with the Canucks after they traded Anders Nilsson. So I don't think it's going to hurt DiPietro to play kind of on that same trajectory that he stays there till he's 23. Uh, but yeah, like with a guy who's exceeding expectations the way he is, I think I think you might be right, man. I think they might have to get him in a backup position sooner rather than later at the NHL level. But there is there is one more thing I wanted to add. And yeah, you're bang on with all the positional play stuff like DiPietro and Demko. Uh, Demko's worked on it a lot, but yeah, like they can trust their positional play at this point, which is a sign of a good goaltender. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say about him is you mentioned those like squeaky goals. That was really interesting to me because when I was watching some clips of him in o- in OHL action and you know you look at different scouting reports and you see what other people have to say something he was really touted for was he can keep his arms like sealed to his body and his hands up now it looks yeah. like he's almost made that adjustment and maybe that's that's from playing at the professional level his arms are a little more spread out right and his his hands are up high which is good you want to see that his hands are up high but he, he kind of leaves a little bit of room under his arms, right? And you, you think about his performance against Vegas, right? Where he played for eight minutes, I think it was, and he faced eight shots. Uh, and he looked great. He let in one power play goal, but it beat him under the arm. And it came from Max Pacioretty, which is funny. We laugh about that because, you know, there's probably not a better shooter from that spot on the ice than Max Pacioretty. <laughs> so, you know... Yeah. The first game DiPietro plays, he's like, the Canucks are coming off a back-to-back. I think they got to play San Jose. Everybody's dead tired. San Jose was red hot. They lit him up. And it was just like, the guy was 19 at the time. It was just like, what are the chances of that happening? And then next year, he's got to play against Vegas. And now, I, I ended the article with this. is like, it begs the question, like, what, what, who is he going to have to play against next year? And I was like, if history repeats itself, it'll be the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Canucks will just have finished their... Fifth day, fifth game in eight days, and Tampa Bay is going to be th- on a thirteen-game win streak. <laughs> like that's what's going to happen if Pietro is to play next. Like it's just, yeah, the the guy can't catch a break at the NHL level, but you know he he performed well against Vegas. I really liked what I saw from him. Yeah, and you know there was a weekend last year. Uh, that's when Jake Kylie actually got called up with Zane McIntyre. Um, where DiPietro got to work with Ian Clark for a full weekend, and ever since that he became the starter. Um, I wonder if that's a lot to do with what. Ian Clark might have seen and said to the group, like, hey, make this guy your starter right now. And ever since that weekend um, that DiPietro visited with um, Ian Clark when they came down there, uh, you know, he was the starter every single game after that. So uh, it was great to see that um, and just see maybe if, if there's something that Clark can do to work with him, we're, we're all excited for that because Clark has worked his magic on a few Canucks goaltenders so far. But we'll move on from goaltenders because I know you could probably go for another hour. But I want to talk about some unfortunate news uh, for this year. It's not the worst news in the world, but uh, Dmitry Zlodiev did not get invited to Russia's camp as they finalized their roster with, I believe they had 15 forwards um, in the end, and though he did get invited to the Karhala Cup, he did not get uh, invited to the World Junior Championships, which is unfortunate. I'm going to guess he was like 16th or 17th on their depth charts for forwards, which is too bad. But the good news is he's only 18. He'll only be 18 on this tournament. He can play in it next year. Um, so that's good news for Vancouver Canucks fans. And I think he'll he'll definitely be on that team next year if he was already on their radar. So excited for that. Obviously, uh, Pod Colson ends up making the team. And I, th- and I think I said the last week on the show, like, Pod Colson got first-line minutes. It was great, but I didn't <laughs> fall for the trap that Bragg and set, his coach, Valerie Bragg and set, because 
the next game after Pod Colson puts up a great performance as the first line player, he is benched. He's a healthy scratch <laughs> for the next game. And I said that I was supposed to fly over to Russia and handle my business. That obviously didn't happen. He then the next game after that, Pod Colson plays as the thirteenth forward. The team does not score any goals as they go late <laughs> into the game. They start to play Pod Colson more as the game goes on, and he looked excellent in that game. So, oh my man, gosh. it's tough. It's just tough to follow the KHL. Like it really is tough to follow a prospect over in the KHL. Okay, okay. So we we've heard this enough. Like the people who don't know this already, if the if Ska was running a merit based system. Pod Colson would be playing more, full stop, full stop, like 100% he'd be playing, but he's not, and it, it's it's literally, like, tough to watch, because they're losing, like, they did not score a goal when they put him as the 13th forward, and then he, like you said, like, he had such a great performance as the first line player, it's not even like we're complaining, we're just laughing about it now, like, it's hilarious that it's like, yep. It, that they're so petty that he didn't sign a contract with them because he wanted to come to North America and wanted to come to the Canucks. He turns down a contract right before getting drafted, and that sealed his fate. He was not going to play this coming season, even though he deserves it. And, man, is this kid playing with a ton of confidence right now, right before the World Juniors. I would love to see him get a few more games in because, man, if he looks anything like he did at the Karyala, Car- I think it is, Cup... Man, at the World Juniors, this kid is going to be special. I'm very excited to watch Russia's games. Man, I've said it once, I'll say it again. Vasily Podkolzin is going to be the best player at this World Junior Championship. Like, yeah. I, I'm so confident in that. From looking at the other players that are going to be competing in this, Vasily Podkolzin will be the best player at that tournament. And it's unfortunate because, yeah, like, I, I heard Craig Button talking about this the other day, and it makes a lot of sense. Like, Ska can't go and play their other wingers ahead of Vasily Podgolzin. Like, just as an organization, they can't do it. Because Ska has such... Like, there's these multiple different, I guess, teams and organizations in the KHL. Ska being one, Dynamo being the other one, CSKA being the other one. Like, those are the big ones that get all the really good prospects in the MHL and their junior leagues, right? Like, they get the pick of the litter for the best guys coming up in Russia. So you're going to see all the prospects that you're going to see, like Mikheyev or Makav is his name or something. Like, he's – or Matsyev. I can't even remember his name. But anyways, he's a player that's playing for Ska in the MHL. He's 15 years old, 16 years old, and he's absolutely dominating – because they get to pick their best players at, like, age 10, and they groom them to become <laughs> these guys, right? So they 10. can't... Well, like, the other thing is, like, so all the best prospects are going to be on, like, those three teams and maybe a couple other ones yeah. in the KHL. They can't go out and get the best... Like, they all go out and they sign the big money free agents. They're the ones that bring in a Pavel Datsuk and Evilia Kovalchuk. They bring in these huge name guys. And we just saw it happen. We just saw Scott go out and sign Oscar Fantenberg, who was playing in the NHL just a few months before this. And they have to play him. He's the number one ice time getter right now for Scott since he's been there. So, like... They can't play these young prospects that are going to leave to North America because that really limits free agents wanting to come play there. And mm. unfortunately, they have all these young prospects, right? Like, Ska's going to have the same problem with this young kid coming up, Matt Viv, coming up in the second year. Like, in the next couple of years, it's going to be a very similar situation to Pod Colson because he's going to want to go to North America and play in the NHL. And Ska's going to want to be able to still sign free agents and the best players and make sure that they have the best team. But when they have these young players, they can't put them into a situation where it's like, oh, well, we're, we would love to give this huge free agent like first minute time and give him on the power play. But we have this young prospect and we're going to play him there instead, even though he's leaving at the end of the year. Like that's the way that some of these KHL teams are looking at yeah. it. If Pod Colson was playing on like 
Vityaz or some crappy KHL team, he would be getting a ton of ice time. He would be the first line player on this team. Like that's how good he is. So it's it's something to do with the with those major three teams in the KHL, I think. And uh, it's just an unfortunate situation. Yeah. And like you said, like it's getting to the point now where it's laughable. Like it, it is yeah. laughable at this point. That's a really interesting perspective, though. I never really thought of it from a attracting free agents uh, perspective. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And like, you know, another thing I was thinking about is like, what if this were the Canucks? Like, like put it into perspective here, man. So let's say the Canucks are uh, fighting for a playoff spot or uh, they're in a playoff spot. So the only scenario where I don't think this could happen is they're, the season's a write-off and they're a lottery team, okay? Let's say... Okay, let's say they're fighting for a spot or they have a playoff spot. They're like ahead in the Canadian division, okay? Pod Colton comes, okay? They're probably not going to play him that much because they're going to want players that are going to be playing in the playoffs to get minutes and to get reps and build chemistry, right? Like, I, I wonder if, you know... If the Canucks are healthy scratching Pod Colson when he gets here, if they're in the thick of a playoff run, or yeah, a run to the playoffs, sorry, uh, because he can't play in the playoffs. You and I have both said this for a while. He can't play in the playoffs in the 2020-21 season for the Canucks, so do they play him late late in the final You stretch? know what, Quads? I'll be honest. I don't know if we're going to see Vasily Pod Colson play a game in the regular season, if we're being honest here, because... The way that the the IIHF is changing is they just moved it from, uh, where was it supposed to be? Belarus, I think, and they moved it to Russia. That tournament's going to go from May 21st to June 6th. So that's when he is released from his contract, June 6th. Oh, If he's released from his contract on June 6th, how many regular season games do you think the NHL is going to have left at that point? Oh, zero, zero. They've already said they want to be done no later than July. Like, they want to get back on a regular schedule. So I did not know that. That's good to know. Well, I guess so everything if, I just brought to the table is gone. <laughs> well, so if, if that's what's actually happening and that's what, you know, COVID could change some things, right? Like, obviously, I, like, I don't know how it works in Russia, but, like, contracts <laughs> are probably going to change here. Uh, with how players get paid, when their paychecks yeah, come, how yeah. everything works, like when they're released. That's all going to change in the National Hockey League. But I don't know if they're going to change much in the KHL because they've still started and are playing games and are still going to plan to have the playoffs at the same time and are still having the World Championships. And he's going to probably play for Russia at the IIHF World Championships as well. That That's going to end June 6th, man. Like, that... Mm-hmm that really limits it. And then with him coming over from professional league and not being a prospect in a junior league, he can't play for the Canucks in the playoffs. So like the more and more the news that comes out, you know, it's, it's going to be tough to really expect him to even get time this year. And you, and you bring up a good point though. Like what you were talking about there was like, if they're in a playoff push and they're like budding for a spot, is he an upgrade as a fourth line guy, even though you can't use him in the playoffs? Like, yeah. you know, does he make more sense to have on your fourth line as a right winger than Zach McEwen right now? Yeah. Probably. He's probably a more input, impactful player than a guy like McEwen, who could really be a mainstay on the Canucks' fourth line this season. But you can't use him in the playoffs. He can help mm-hmm. you get into the playoffs if you guys are playing still, but if he has to go to this double IHF championship, and that's not over till June 6th, and Russia's going to have one of the strongest teams at that competition... And that tournament, I mean. So, like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's like a fluid situation, I think, that's a lot that's going on. But having heard that they moved it to Russia um, and having the dates come out for the tournament was, was kind of a, a pretty tough blow to read because, you know, I was expecting him to finish his season in the KHL and be able to come over right after his season finishes. It's starting to look like that's going to be tough to happen. But 
I'm sure the Canucks are going to try and work their asses off to make it happen and get him over here, you know, potentially at the beginning of May. Um, so we'll see what happens with it again. Cause like, even then I wonder how many games he can get in as a player too. And if, and the situation that you brought up is a good point. Like, do they even want to get him over here at that point? Yeah. Or do you just want to let him relax, finish his year there, you know, come here with a fresh slate for the 2021, 22 season. I like, I think that's very possible as well. It'll be a really interesting story to follow. It really will be. Yeah, and the final one, uh, Nils Huglander. They are, right now, his team had an outbreak. Uh, they've been testing daily from what I've heard. He uh, talked to Nils, what was it, I guess Tuesday or Wednesday is when I spoke to him. He said he's been good. He's quarantining by himself. He's tested negative, which is good news. Um, and that's good to hear. They're postponed till I believe, like, next Thursday or something. So there's not going to be a lot of Huglander stuff coming out. Hopefully that team can um, get their, their outbreak under control and we can see some some more SHL games in the future here because, you know, Huglander was starting to play pretty damn good hockey. Uh, and Moritz Sider, a lot of people are big fans of him for Detroit, uh, the Detroit prospect. He's been playing outstanding as well. Like, I don't talk about him or tweet him about him a lot, but anybody that's a Detroit Red Wings fan that somehow stumbled into the Canucks conversation <laughs> for the first time, like, y'all are looking good with Moritz Sider. He's a big, mean dude. Um, and, yeah, it's it'll be exciting to see him. And the final thing, because I, I just watched it, um, I had to turn off your goaltender stream uh and watch this instead because michigan was playing i got my first look at jacob truscott for some full games and yeah he's he's the sixth defenseman for sure like i like i think i was saying i don't know like he's he ain't playing top four minutes he wasn't getting much penalty kill time and the problem was like owen power who's gonna be a top top yeah. draft pick in this upcoming draft that dude is playing half the freaking game like he, uh, well that's what i was gonna point monster. out is like man he's got cam york and owen power in front of him Dude, uh, that's the thing. Like, Owen Power played a ton of minutes, and if he wasn't on the ice, Cam York was. Yeah. Like, there was – it was scarce viewing uh, of Jacob Truscott. So, uh, we'll, we'll continue to follow it, obviously. And he got to kill some penalties when Power took a penalty. Um, so, aside from that, yeah. What's, uh, like I said, it's going to be a tough spot for him in Michigan right now with Cam York and Owen Power ahead of him. Like, there ain't going to be a lot of minutes for Truscott. But he, he looked fine. He looked like he, he blocked a shot when I was watching him. Um, made a couple decent passes and defended fine. He, and he looks a little bit bigger than I thought on the ice, so that yeah. was good to see too. And he's playing the right side, so that's another plus, I guess, as a left-shot defenseman. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, I didn't know he was playing the right side. That's awesome. What do you think of Kent Johnson, BCHL alum? Yo, Kent Johnson, on the other hand, he looked awesome. Kent oh. Johnson looked great. He looked super confident. Um, made some great passes, getting time on the first power play unit with Michigan. He looked really good. Michigan looked really strong. Like, that's a fun team to watch. John Beecher was another guy who just looks like an absolute tank on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, him, Power, that first power play unit, having Kent Johnson, uh, Owen Power, and then John Beecher on there as well. Like, Beecher in front of the net was crazy. And then just, yeah, Kent Johnson looked really good. I was very impressed. He looked confident as hell in the at the NCAA level, that's for sure. Yeah, I actually didn't get to watch uh, Kent Johnson in person when I was covering the Express last year because when – when Trail came into town, uh, Johnson was hurt. Or no, he was at the, uh, not the World Juniors, he was at some tournament. He just wasn't available in that game, uh, which was, you know, disappointing for sure because I would have loved to have seen him in person. But man, like, yeah, the things I've heard about this guy, and you just go look at the guy's stat line, like, holy cow, he just lit up the BCHL. So yeah, I'm very excited to see who can draft him because, man, he's going to be an impact player for a really long time. It's funny. I had the uh, the back when I was living in Nanaimo. I had the exact same thing with um, with Alex Newhook, who obviously came up to play in Nanaimo. You know, quite a bit. I think he played like six times uh, in Nanaimo that season. 
Uh, I tried to go out to three games, and all three of them, he was not there. He was off with Team Canada and something. So, yeah. And then, like, you see the stat line that they still put up, and it's like, how did I not see him get to play once in the three games that I go to, and the dude's yeah. still putting up 100-plus points in a season yeah, in the exactly. BCHL? It's unreal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, aside from that, we don't really have anything else to get into unless there's something you want to bring up here, Quads. Nope, I'm good. Watch my streams. Twitch.tv slash dquadrelli1. Perfect. That's easy to remember. Uh, all right, so check that out. It'll be on your Twitter as well. You got some NHL coming up, maybe some Warzone in the future. Um, so that basically wraps it up. Big shout out to our guest this week, Victor Parison, for joining us here. He'll be over in North America, hopefully for the World Juniors. If not, he'll be here for the start of the WHL season. And uh, we thank him for joining us here on the show. Hopefully that relationship continues to grow because we're big supporters of him. Uh, we believe in him as a prospect, I think. We l- have liked a lot of what we've seen so far. So we'll wrap it up there for David Quadrelli. My name is Chris Faber. This is episode episode 118 and we appreciate you for stopping by and listening to the canucks conversation even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.